Welcome to Sunday Schmooze with Rabbi Mendy Kievman from the Chabad House Jewish Community Center on Cedar Street in Milford. Sit back, relax, and enjoy a stimulating discussion of news and humor from a Jewish perspective. Ladies and gentlemen, here's Rabbi Mendy. Good morning, Shavua Tov, Agutevach, Bono Samana. And that's how you say a good week in Ladino. Ladino is the language of the um, Jews who came prim- primarily from Spain. You know, just like the Europeans had the language of Yiddish, which they spoke to each other, the people of Spain and other countries like that known in our uh, vernacular as the Svardim, had their own form of Yiddish. And just like Yiddish was made up of various local language and dialects, included in some Hebrew, so too was Ladino, was made up of the languages of those countries, Spanish and uh, Latin and languages of that sort. Now, some of you might tell me, what are you talking about? Spanish and Latin? are completely different. And I'm just going to tell you, it's all Chinese to me. Anyway, so that was in honor of uh, Judy, who asks me to always say it in, uh, in Ladino. I'm really, really excited today because I have a lot to talk to you about. As I wrote in the email, I want to talk to you about uh, some good developments in Ukraine. I want to talk about, obviously, Purim. The, wow, what a Purim we just finished. Um, I still feel like we're part of Purim, you know, everything that's gone on this weekend. We'll talk about that. And I also want to talk about uh, Pesach. That's right. Pesach is four short weeks from Friday night. Now, this, this past Friday night was exactly four short weeks before we're going to sit down for the seders in our homes or hopefully you'll be joining us at Chabad. So we'll talk about all that. But before we start all that, we have with us uh, Khani, who's getting ready to run over to Hebrew school. We don't want her to be late. So she's going to help us today and uh, say with us the morning prayers that we say each week. And I want to ask you to put a yarmulke on your head. And let's begin firstly with the Moda'ani. Um, Moda'ani is um, a special prayer that we say upon awakening. As soon as we wake up, I know by now you've been up a few hours, but nonetheless, it's a good prayer to say right away to thank Hashem for the soul that He's given us, for the new day, and for the new week, and for all of the amazing positive things that we have going on in our lives, even as we travail the challenges going on in life. So, Khani, please come over here to the microphone. Let's start with Modani. Okay? Moda. Adi, Lefadacha, Melech, Chai, Vekayam, Shachazarta, B, Vishmasi, Lechadla, Rabba, that was great. Thank you very much, uh, Hanala. And now, let's say the prayer Hareini. Okay? Because that's the prayer where we, th- we tell Hashem 
We tell God that we're all together as one and we love our fellow as ourselves. Do you know that one also? You want to do it word for word? Here we go. Haredi. Rikabel. Alai. Mitzas. Asay. Shell. Bilhafta. Lereacha. Kabaycha. Okay. And now take your right hand and cover your eyes. And let's say it together. Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad Baruch Shem Kivod Malchuso Le'olam Va'ed And now let's give some tzedakah. If you have coins, put it in your pushka. So we can start our day and week to a charitable start. The more giving we are, the more giving we get. Blessings from Hashem. Okay, there's another prayer that we say at the end of the davening, which has the same tune as a Passover song that Khan is going to sing for us. It has the same tune as the Yenu. So we'll sing it really slowly. The words of that is Ach Tzadikim, right? We sing it at the end of the davening, and it has the exact same tune as Dayenu. You ready? So we'll sing Ach Tzadikim. And then you'll start singing Dayeno. So we can get people who are listening to our show into the Passover mode. You know, this is the perfect time to be in a Purim and Passover mode together. Here we go. Ach tzadikim yodu lishmecha yeshvu yesharim espanecha daidayedu Die, die, do. Die, die, do. Die, do. Die, do. Die, die, do. Die, die, do. Die, die, do. Die, do. Die, do.
There you have it. Dayenu, Dayenu. As the song tells us, you know, we t- say it at the Seder, being that God has done so many miracles for us in the course of the exodus from Egypt, we thank Him in numerous, in, in numerous ways. And for the innumerable, that might be a word. Peter, help me out. Is that innumerable things that He's done for us. And we say, If you would have taken us out of Egypt, but didn't do the rest of the miracles, Dayenu, Hebrew word for the day, brought to you by the Armenians. Dayenu means it would have been enough. That would have been sufficient. Dayenu. Dayenu. That would have been way more than enough if you only did one of those miracles. And then we say the second miracle, and a third miracle, and a fourth miracle. Dayenu, Dayenu, Dayenu. They would have all been enough. Which leads back to Purim. I've been talking about Purim for at least a month or two, telling you how excited we are to get together again, like we did two years ago on Purim. Because last year on Purim, we, had, we, we got together, but Purim was more of a at-home event. People came in their cars, and we read the Megillah in the parking lot. I remember my son Zalmi screaming his head off in the parking lot reading the Megillah. We went to people's homes. Of course, as we do always, we go to the senior living f- facilities. But this year, we came together. It all began with the Purim Project. The Purim pro- Project was a smashing success this year. Every year, we have this project where we give the opportunity to community members to send Shalach Manis. Again, Hebrew word for the day. Thank you, the Armenians. Shalach manis means sending packages or portions of food. It's a mitzvah on Purim to send gifts of food to our friends, our family. Not to poor people. Poor people too. But really to anybody. There's a completely separate mitzvah on the holiday of Purim to give money to poor people, which we did as well. But the Purim project began a few weeks earlier where everyone got their own login information to go to the website, log in, and choose people that you wanted to send a gift from you. And then, about a week before Purim, we printed out these beautiful certificates, and we had volunteers who came by and packed these nice little gifts in these colorful gift bags, along with a beautiful, beautiful cutting board, which said on it, Cut the kvetching in my kosher kitchen. We made those for our community. And then, packed them. And then we had the volunteers who came and gave hundreds, hundreds of these gifts were given out and dropped off at homes around the community. That was just a prelude to the amazing Purim that, that came afterwards. On Wednesday night, this past Wednesday night, the beginning of Purim, so Wednesday is a fast day, but Wednesday night is a, a feast day, right? It goes from a fast day to a feast day. Um, and that's what Judaism is all about. Judaism is all about the food. So we have many, many feast days, but even fast days begin with feasting and end with feasting. So uh, that night is the beginning of, of, of Purim, and we had uh, a Megillah reading here at, at Chabad, where uh, we had a nice group of people came together to listen to the Megillah reading. And I had to do read the Megillah at a little bit of a quicker clip, quicker pace than I'm typically used to. And the reason for that was because since the, the hour has changed, maybe I'll talk about this uh, daylight savings if I have time. I may talk about it again uh, later on. But the hour changed now, and therefore the earliest to read the Megillah was about 7.20 p.m. So I read the Megillah, and then right after that, I had to jump into a car, and drive an hour to visit a jail where there are Jewish inmates there. Unfortunately, Jewish inmates are, a couple of them are in jail. And I was the only one that was allowed to go in to read for them the Megillah and give them a little bit of a Purim celebration from within the confines and the walls and gates and barbed wire and metal doors, steel doors, that they are behind. So thankfully, we have an amazing community here, people who jump in and try to help out wherever possible. I was really excited 
that my friend Aaron agreed to drive with me. Well, I shouldn't say drive with me. Drove me all the way up there so that we could uh, go in and then waited outside for me while he did some uh, computer work in the car. He waited for me for about an hour to get in, get through security, uh, all the way inside so I could read the Megillah and bring some of the Purim joy to our brothers who are in jail. And indeed, I, I use the term brothers. I wasn't using it lightly. I mean it. The reality is many of us make mistakes. And just because we made those mistakes doesn't mean we lost our membership in this amazing family called the Jewish people. You know, think about your own family. If within your own family somebody made a mistake, would they not be part of your family anymore? Would they not be your child, your spouse, your, your sibling? No, of course they would still be. And we would do everything we can to give them a little bit of joy within the confines of a jail. So we got there and I, 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 we had, uh, in, the, in the jail already there were some uh, party hats. So to make it a little more festive, we had the party hats and, and then we read the Megillah. I showed them a video a short clip, and if I have a chance, I may even play it today. Uh, it's a short clip that we put up on our website, uh, made by our, our famous Stu Vogel. He makes these great video clips about various topics about Yiddishkeit, and he made this new one about Purim. And I showed them that clip. It's like a little puppet show uh, clip, and 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 they got to know the story. It's five minutes, you know, in miniature, you know, Purim in miniature, Purim in mini. And, and they, they heard the story, and then we read the Megillah. We even got to dance. And it's just for those few moments, that 45 minutes, where they were able to feel that they were outside of their confines, outside of their jails and the shackles. They were out of it, even while being within it. And for me, that was one of the most elating moments, especially to begin the holiday of Purim, to be there and help them lift themselves up. And hopefully, hopefully, that will give them the impetus and the springboard to do more and more better and better. Then, Thursday morning, we had a service here at Chabad to read the Megillah, you know, and then we had a nice brunch that Rachi put out. And then the rest of the day, we had the Yeshiva boys who came from the Haven Shmuley's classmates and some of the older yeshiva boys, along with um, our daughter uh, Mushki, who's here with Shmuli, and as well as um, I myself and volunteers, spent the rest of the day tra traversing the many towns around Milford, Franklin, Holliston, Hopkinton, um, I think we went as far as Rentham, and we read the Megillah in all these different uh, the new one in Millis, uh, these uh, senior living facilities. And any place, any of those places, we had uh, people who joined us. They didn't get a chance to hear the Megillah or they weren't going to make it to our Purim party later in the, in the day. So they joined us to hear the Megillah at these facilities. We gave out more of those Shalachmanis from the Purim project. And at the same time, we had some of the volunteers. Um, thank you, Bracha. And Debbie and all us, um, I can think of that that volunteered and Perry and and um, Renee, setting up the Chabad House Jewish Center to to move us into a whole new generation. Almost, it was set up in '60s theme, so that the Purim party that night, which began at 5:30, should be a smashing success that it was. And people started filing in already a little early because people wanted to get a seat. We had a full house, Baruch Hashem. And it was very, very joyous. Music playing, entertainment, the food, out of this world. Literally, back in the 60s. It was unbelievable. Delicious, delicious food. Everyone was dressed up in the most awesome costumes. Some of them, if you saw the pictures, you should go online on our Facebook page. It's facebook.com forward slash mychabad. M-Y-C-H-A-B-A-D. And go check out the pictures. There's some videos there as well. I know they don't completely do justice to what was really going on, but everybody had a smile on their face. 
the food was galore, the, the drinks, the, and, and, and the, the entertainment, Marvelous Marvin, had everybody rolling, uh, what did I say, R-O-F-L, something like that, rolling on the floor laughing. And then, of course, the music kicked up, and we all started dancing and celebrating that Am Yisrael Chai, throughout thick and thin, throughout everything we've been through in the, cent- in the generations before us, even in our times, and even what's going on around the world, Am Yisrael Chai, we are still here. And for that we say, Dayenu, each one of these parts of, of Purim, Dayenu, Dayenu, thank you Hashem for allowing us to take part and to be part of this. It was, and, and then, after the sort of everything sort of calmed down, and many of the people left, then we sat down and had a joyous fabrengen around a couple of tables. We sang some songs. We spoke some words of inspiration to each other. And of course, ended that fabrengen in the wee hours of the morning with dancing and singing and celebration of Am Yisrael Chai. So there you have it. That was Purim. But that Purim doesn't end. Because immediately on Friday, there was still some people who didn't receive their, their Purim gifts, they got it on Friday. Because Friday was Shushan Purim. And then on Shabbos, which was uh, the continuation of Purim, as the Rebbe told us, that on, the, on this Shabbos, anyone who missed out on celebrating Purim as it was supposed to be celebrated can still make up for it with the joy and celebration on Shabbos. And that in, in, indeed took place. We had a full house this past Shabbos on the men's side, on the women's side, and then the Kiddush was beautiful singing of songs and celebrating and fabrenging that we have an Ashama and we are able to take part in this amazing display of Yiddishkeit that we are so lucky to be part of. And now I found this interesting song. We're playing Dayane already. Might as well. Shulam Lemmer, you, know, you may have heard of him. Shulam Lemmer is a, a Hasidic boy from Borough Park who has a, a powerful voice, ready for, since he was a child. Now he's in his, in his 20s. But since he was a child, he, had a, he has this powerful voice. So powerful, as he got older and older, he, t- he, t- he became one of the most famous singers at many of the ballparks where they sing um, you know, the national anthem, God Bless America. And, and eventually, Sony signed, uh, signed him. You know, a Hasidic boy with long side curls known as Peus. And um, Peus, by the way, is a Hebrew word, but many use it in the in the Yiddish vernacular. So we can say it's a Yiddish word brought to you by Kate's Financial Services. Payas means corners. It's a mitzvah to leave the corners of our head to have here. We're not supposed to cut off our the corners of our hair or the corners the hair from the corners of our head, and that's why it's called payas. Payas means corners. So he has these little. Payalach, Paypalach, I don't know the Yiddish word for it, how they, 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 they dangle down and he sings in front of every kind of audience. He sings uh, Jewish songs, he sings uh, you know, American favorites. And today I found this beautiful Dayenu song that he sings. It's not the same tune that you're used to, but it's a beautiful Dayenu song. I love it. And if you feel like getting up to dance with it, don't be afraid. No one's watching. Besides God, of course. Which reminds me, <laughs> you know, a burglar once broke into a house one night. And he's in the basement. And he's looking for valuables. He's shining his flashlight around to find valuables. And all of, all of a sudden, a voice in the dark calls out, Hashem knows you're here. God knows you're here. Hashem is God. Hashem knows you're here. He nearly jumps out of his skin. He turns his flashlight off and he's frozen. When he heard nothing else, he shook his head. He said, oh, I must be, you know, imagining this. And he just continued. So he's shining again around and he's pulling out the uh, stereo and then he's starting to pull out the wires from the computer so that he can take, take it home with him. And it clears a bell. He hears it again. Hashem is watching you. He's startled. He shines his light around frantically. He's looking for the source of that voice that he knows for sure. He finally, it's real. It's not in his imagination. And finally, in the corner of a room, he sees a parrot sitting in a cage. And he calls out to the parrot, Did you say that? And the parrot says, Yes. 
I'm just trying to warn you that Hashem is watching you. So the burglar relaxed. He said, warn me? <laughs> Who in the world do you think you are? He says, well, I'm Moses, the bird said. He says, Moses? He starts laughing. What kind of people, what kind of owners do you have that would name a bird Moses? So, to which the bird replied, the same kind of people who would name their Rottweiler Hashem. Bada boom. Dayenu by Shulam Lemmer. Today may be referred to as the take off your costume day. You see, I, I had a thank you, Bracha. I have this beautiful 60s costume that I wore um, on Purim. To the extent that, you know, between the wig and the costume and the funny glasses, besides looking like I was part of the 60s, there were some people who actually had no idea who I was, which is the point of the costume. So, you know, the costume is somewhere, uh, probably sitting in a box somewhere or hanging on a chair or maybe a hook on a door. Because after the Fabrengen, which, as I said, went to the wee hours of the morning, I was way too tired to figure out whether it could be washed, where to put it away, but Rahi made sure that it got somewhere so that we can pass it on to another Chabad house that might want to use it next year for their Purim celebration. So while I don't really think about or worry about where my costume from Purim is, I do think about all the Jews I know who are still walking around today dressed in costumes. See, it's, it's a fact of life that sometimes we need to wear costumes to disguise what it is we are truly feeling inside. Sometimes it's a good costume and sometimes eh, not such a good costume. You see, when you come home after a long day and despite being extremely tired and extremely stressed out, you paste a smile onto your face just so you can greet your, your husband or wife and the kids. Now that's a good costume to wear. 
when you're working in the office and a client is screaming at you and you know you're in the right, but you put on an understanding face when inside you're telling, you're saying to yourself, you know, this guy's a brat and I, I really should throw, just throw him out of the office. But you don't. You have a smile on your face. That's a great costume to wear. We all need to wear that type of costume at times. We all feel the need to portray a certain image of ourselves to the outside, to the world around us. We want others to think that we're, we're kind, we're smart, we're organized, and we're, we're the funnest people to be around. Even though we may not be feeling it inside, we mask up and we pull on the costume we think would most fit the situation that we're currently in. So we walk around covering our true internal selves with all different kinds of uh, costumes, all different kinds of cover stories. Whether it's, I say, I am the self-made success story, or I'm the you know, educated intellectual, whatever type of costume we put on. And then you have the costume of apathy to religion, or apathy to the political activism, or from a sports fan to athlete. We walk around in disguise. We never allow anyone to see our true face. We have all this face paint makeup, you know, at the Purim party we had uh, our, our amazing Hebrew school teacher, Libby, face paint, do face paint with the kids. And the kids always love when they get face painting. Honestly, I'm not a big fan of that myself. I have enough of my own uh, personal face paint, but she did a, a great job. The kids were really excited to get the face painted, especially that it was being done by Libby. They all love Libby. So day after day, year after year, was living within the same costume. But then there are times when you need to take the costume off. There are days where you need to look within you to see the soul inside yourself. To see the real you that lives within you. And when you're not pretending to be anybody else. You see, real, true, long-term growth can only grow and can only be watered when using authentic honesty. That means being honest enough to create a space where you can look past everything, past the veneer, and see yourself, like you look in the mirror and see yourself in the most authentic and vulnerable form. But the truth is, some of us have woven such an elaborate costume and bought such expensive wigs and head coverings that we forget that the face paint all over us is just a costume. It's only a coating for our interactions with the rest of the world. We forget that the disguise of success, or truthfully the disguise of indifference, or the disguise of, well, I'm way too busy, these are all just a costume that we created to protect our inner insecurities. So, to truly grow as a person, to truly grow as a Jew, requires moments in which you give yourself permission to be brutally honest with yourself about who you really are and who you really want to be. So for every person... Removing your costume and the makeup is going to look differently. For some, when you remove your costume, that means being honest enough to challenge that spiritual status quo. You know, where I'm doing Judaism. I'm there. I do this mitzvah. I do that mitzvah. I'm every day, or every week, or every month, or even once a year. I do the mitzvahs. I'm my Judaism. You know what I'm doing is is good. And now you have to challenge that. And you have to see if our actions are truly expressing that beautiful holy soul within us. Or maybe we're just at the status quo and we're not letting ourselves move and grow to where our souls really know we could. So that's for some people. 
they, they see their status quo and they know they got to change it. For others, it's going to be the exact opposite. They're going to find that despite all their apathy to godliness, holiness, and their Yiddishkeit, and despite, as so many people tell me, I'm not orthodox, despite that, despite not being orthodox, they'll find that they actually care deeply about their Yiddishkeit, about their Judaism, which is still burning so strong within each and every one of us. But I can say this, for all of us, the objective of this journey to remove our costume is to see if our external actions match up with the internal holiness that is within each and every one of us. Or did we get so comfortable in the costume that we wear every day that we've completely forgotten that it's just that. It's a costume for others to see. So the good news is this. Today, the day after, it's, not, it's after Purim, but the day after the weekend of Purim, ready after the Shabbos of Purim, it's finally the official take off your costume day. As we begin to get ready for the Exodus that we're going to celebrate on Passover, let's each have a personal exodus. Let's forget the world you're trying to impress and the persona you've tried to create of yourself and become or be you. The real you that's within you. And from when, within this holy space that we make, we can take a few moments every single day to pray to God and do a mitzvah. And then afterwards, if we need to, Put the costume back on. But at least once a day, when you take a few minutes to pray, or you do a mitzvah that you said you're going to do, giving tzedakah, putting on tefillin, eating kosher, whatever the mitzvah is, at that moment, you're connected to God. You have a moment every day when you just be you. The real you. The true you. The one that is so holy and pure. And in that spot, Chaverim Kol Yisrael. Each and every one of us are one with each other. We're all the same. We all have that holy neshama within us. Please enjoy Benny Friedman's Chaverim Kol Yisrael. Chaverim means friends, camaraderie, all of the Jewish people. amazing dream last night It was very thrilling and entrancing The world became a place so filled with light And in my dream Jews everywhere were dancing Because Mashiach had arrived, peace and love began to thrive, no more war no more hate, a time to celebrate a my oh my, since long ago at Har Sinai, Chaverim Kol Yisroel. Asa Nisim, Asa Nisim Lavoteinu, Vega'alotam, Me'avdut Lecheru. Israel, Yedidim Kol Israel, Chaverim Kol Israel. Hashem, we beg of you, please make this dream come true. Our joy will be so strong We'll soon for 
so wrong I think deep down they knew it all along because Mashiach had arrived peace and love began to thrive the whole world came to storm our gates but there's no gators it's too late and for the first time my oh my since long ago at Harsinai Hashem we beg of you promised you an amazing update from Ukraine. So the other day I was on a Zoom call with uh, Rabbi Avremi Wolf, the rabbi in Odessa. And he was describing, that's right, you ready for this? He was describing his return to the border of Ukraine. See, you may have heard about this. I don't remember if I mentioned it on the, on the show, but I definitely talked about it in Shul. Rabbi Wolf has a, a um, an orphanage with uh, 120 children that he runs with his wife. And he, he shuttled this orphanage off to safety, these children to safety in Germany. You may have seen the pictures where the president of Germany came to meet with them and he had lunch with them. Besides that, they also shuttled off 140 women and children from their community whose husbands or fathers were conscripted into the army. So he said, picture this scene. Thousands of refugees are approaching the border of Ukraine from within Ukraine in an effort to flee the country, to flee it to safety. And he says, and there I was, the only person on the line to get back into the country. So he was saying that the custom, offer asked, the custom officer asked him who he was and what was he planning to do and what possible reason he had to enter Ukraine. So he says, I explained to him that I am the rabbi of Odessa and I'm going back to the city to support the 30,000 members of my community that are still there. Many of those community members were too old or too vulnerable to leave. And the security, the customs guard looked at him like he was nuts. And he said, you must have lost your mind. So Rabbi Wolf concluded, this is the first time in my 52 years alive that I took great pride in being called not normal. So Shabbos, I, I was talking about that. You know, many rabbis stayed, even with the bombs going on. Some had to leave because it was so terrible. Like the rabbi, we had we listened to Rabbi Levitansky from Sumi. 
um, and and other places that they had no choice, they had to leave, so they went out, and then they were um, taking care of sending in supplies and arranging for buses to pick up people. I told you the, the amazing story that happened uh, in Kharkov last week about the, the the mess up with the buses and the ones who got on the bus on the so to speak the wrong day ended up that their building was bombed the next day. And then there are the rabbis who decided to go back to their communities. So this is one of those rabbis, Rabbi Avrami Wolf, who's such a an inspiration. So during this very moving Zoom session, Rabbi Wolf shared the following. There are currently eight warships stationed nearby with their guns trained on the city, which I can see from my home, he said. On his way to the shul every morning, I'm literally the only car on the road. It feels like Yom Kippur in Israel because in Israel, on Yom Kippur, there's not a single car on the road. So unless it's uh, you know someone being driven to the hospital to have a baby. So the same thing is going on in Odessa. From the 1.1 million residents of Odessa, there remain only 350,000. And he continued, Upon returning to Odessa from the evacuation mission to bring the hundreds of women and children to safety in Berlin, I arrived at the synagogue to pray the afternoon service in Odessa. As soon as I walked in, members of the community who were there approached me as one and embraced me for a long group hug. A 70-person strong group hug. He said, My hands were shaking from this outpouring of love and my arms were soaked by their tears. One person said to him, Rabbi, your presence here means everything to us, especially that you came back to be with us in danger after already arriving on safer shores. Indeed, there are numerous non-Jewish activists and humanitarian aid professionals who called and asked in disbelief, Rabbi, you came back? And then when he answered in the affirmative, they expressed how much strength his example gave them to continue their work with selfless dedication. And then when he was asked, where do you get the strength from? Where do you get the strength to not only help the people before, but now to come back and be with them again? Rabbi Wolf responded, Ever since I was a child, every Friday night around the Shabbos dinner table, my father would share a thought for the week from the teachings of the Rebbe, usually on the Parsha. And a common thread that ran through all of those weekly thoughts that his father taught, each one of us is on this earth for a mission that involves making this world a better place to bring Mashiach by uplifting and tending to the needs of those God places in our care and those those God places into our sphere of influence or our sphere of impact. So often, when we hear such lofty statements, when we hear such lofty sentiments, they don't really register with us. And oftentimes, they simply sound like empty cliches. People are telling us, yeah, yeah, God put us here to do a mission. Yeah, very nice, wonderful, beautiful. Now let me get back to my uh, solitaire. Do people still play solitaire on computers? Do computers even come with solitaire? When I, was, when I went to the jail the other night, we, we ended up mentioning to the uh, guard that I'm going to show them a video. He goes, your computer has a video, videos on it? I said, yeah, from our Chabad website, I'm going to show the video. And he said, he said, wow, my computer doesn't even have solitaire on it. Okay, I, I really didn't even know people still played solitaire on computers. But for me, especially over these past few weeks since the war began, these types of sent- sentiments that God put us in, in the place we're in with a mission to dedicate ourselves to all those around us have become the guiding force and the drive in my own life based on what I've seen from the rabbis in, the, in Ukraine. And Rabbi Wolf said, the way I see it, in a sense, 
The first 52 years of my life was the training I received for the tumultuous weeks that have passed and for the uncertain future to come. The Hasidic training I received as a child and the Hasidic training I received as a young adult kicked in instinctively, deflecting any thoughts of personal convenience and personal safety. It's amazing. Listening to Rabbi Wolf say these words, as much as I, I understand it and I know it and I feel it, but I see it in his life and I see it in the life of those that are still there and those that are working so hard to make a difference there. And in my view, the comments he said at the end of the Zoom meeting powerfully illustrates what it means to live, breathe, and practice the Jewish values and the Hasidic values to love your fellow like yourself in a literal, profound manner. And this is what he said. I was recently asked in an interview with, both with CNN and Fox News how I have the strength and wherewithal to stay behind and devote day and night to the urgent needs of those in my community who can't, don't have the chance to leave. And he said, I responded, If you were, God forbid, in a war zone and your wife and children were in immediate danger, wouldn't you do everything in your power to make sure that they were brought to safety? Wouldn't you stay right there to make sure you're with them until you can bring them to safety? Of course you would. And he finished, The only difference between me and you is that your families are made up of a few individuals, whereas my family includes 30,000 of my Jewish brethren right here in Odessa. And the Torah tells us, in the portion we read yesterday, A constant fire shall burn upon the altar. It shall never go out. It shall never go out also during the journeys. So the Torah tells us. You know, we have to take special care to make sure that during the journeys of life, those moments or periods of life that are profoundly disorienting, they are disruptive. We have to make sure that the fire in our souls do not succumb to the apathy or despair, but instead burns brighter and stronger than ever before. Having had the privilege to see up close the Mesiras Nefesh, the selflessness of my holy colleagues over the past few weeks who are experiencing these most tumultuous journeys in their lives. I can attest firsthand that there burns in their hearts and in their neshama and their souls precisely this kind of fire, the fire that is constant and will never go out. And may I suggest that they should be a living example to inspire me and to inspire each and every one of you. Of course, if you want to take part in helping the Jews of Ukraine, the rabbis who are there, the ones who went back, the ones who are going, the ones who are outside who are sending um, humanitarian aid in and getting people out, go to our website, gatchabad.com forward slash sumi, S-U-M-Y. Sumi, gatchabad.com forward slash sumi, and you can make a donation that will go directly, every penny of it. Not one penny will get stuck here at Chabad of Milford. Every single dollar will go to, to the people who are on the ground helping and doing both from inside Ukraine and outside Ukraine. But I'll add to it. You have that fire burning inside of you. You're going to take off that costume every day and look at that fire and know that there's something you could and should do to keep the fire going. And may I suggest that right now, as we're preparing for Passover, it's now four weeks away, less than four weeks away. I told you a few weeks ago that this year I'm going to go do something crazy. You know, what's going on in Ukraine is crazy. Rabbi Levitansky told us it's completely nuts what's going on there. It makes no sense. The whole war makes no sense. And it's got to come to an end really soon. But we need to do something crazy. Something that doesn't make any sense to make a difference. And I promised you that we were going to buy matzah. Shmura matzah. The special matzah that Kabbalah tells us is the food of faith and the food of healing. 
when you eat it at the Seder night, and we're going to give it out. That I, I, I want to do something astronomical. In past years, I gave it out to about 100 people. Shalach Manas, we give to a few hundred people. I decided that this year, we're going to try and give matzah to 500 different households in our community. And you can take part in that. Well, firstly, I went to buy the matzah and I loaded up my van with the matzah. And then when we came home with the matzah from the warehouse, we came home, I realized that I bought enough matzah not for 500 people, but for 800 people. And how am I going to give out? How am I going to pack and give out so much matzah? Thank God for the amazing volunteers we have in this community. And I want you to become an MVP. I want you to become part of the mitzvah volunteer program. That's right. You can be part of the mitzvah brigade and become an MVP. I want you to join us, whether it's to help pack the matzahs or to deliver the matzahs. We had amazing uh, volunteers come and deliver the Shalach Manas for the Purim Project. We need you again, and we need more of you. It doesn't matter how much time you have. You can give an hour. You can give five hours. doesn't matter. As much time as you have to get, let us know. Email me, rabbi at gotchabad.com. R-A-B-B-I at G-O-T-C-H-A-B-A-D dot com. And let me know when you're available. And we'll give you either a list. If we're still packing the matzah, Baruch Hashem, we packed a lot, hundreds of boxes already, and we still need more packing and delivering. Bring food of healing. Bring the food of faith so that people have shmur matzah, the handmade shmur matzah, which by the way, I'm, I'm, I'm letting out the secret. I know I told it on, on Shabbos. This year, we decided to buy the matzah from a bakery that's, that produces it in Ukraine. We said what, another way we can support that, the people in that country is by buying matzah that was produced there. So we have matzah from the Ukraine or from Ukraine. It's being packed. We're going to be delivering and we need you. Yeah, yeah. You that's listening to the show say, okay, I'll give an hour. I'll give two hours, five hours. I can, I can do it next week. I can do it this week. I can do it in two weeks. Whatever it is, we need you to help us make sure that every Jew has that faith and healing that they need this coming Passover. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope you had a blast as much as I did. I want to wish you a good week, an amazing month ahead as we prepare for Purim. And remember, your next deed will change the world. So make it a good one. L'chaim! You've been listening to Sunday Schmooze with Rabbi Mendy Kievman from the Chabad House Jewish Community Center on Cedar Street in Milford. For more information on the Chabad House, including upcoming events, adult programs, Hebrew school, and more, visit gotchabad.com. That's G-O-T-C-H-A-B-A-D.com. Shalom. Oh, it's the house, have a lovely. 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 Oh, it's the house, have